hello everybody glad to have you with me this is the down south it podcast my name is clark coming to you from the heart of cajun country where the potholes in the road are so big when you hit them you apologize to your car i know that's sad to say but it's actually true again this is the down south it podcast thank you for joining me today now the other day i was on my smartphone which pretty much everybody is almost all the time now so that actually got me to thinking what actually makes a cell phone or a smartphone a good one and i mean aside from the obvious you know cpu the hardware different things like that and that kind of got me to thinking and that's where the birth of this episode came from I just want to kind of give you some stuff that I was thinking about of what would make a cell phone actually good, even if the specs aren't that great, to, you know, maybe bump it up into kind of that premium space that you might only think of as either an Apple or a Samsung or something like that. Because there are a lot of new players in the smartphone market right now, and they all don't play by the same rules. So... I kind of want to go through a couple of things in the news that relate to cell phones, and then we kind of get into the meat of it. And first thing I want to go through is an article I saw from Ars Technica, and Samsung is now the second leading cell phone manufacturer. They have been eclipsed by Xiaomi for the first time ever. And according to the latest poll, they now have a 17.1% market share of the global smartphone market. Samsung now is number two with 15.7% and Apple with 14.3 pulls up number three. So for right now, it seems that Xiaomi is in the lead and has been gaining and mainly has been gaining because of the fight between Huawei and the U.S. government with all the bands and different things like that, even with their 5G uh, technology and different things like that, that the U.S. has banned. So Huawei has kind of been taking a hit lately. And apparently Xiaomi has now taken up that slack. So it's an interesting thing to, to see how, and we're going to see exactly how Samsung's going to react to it. So I know they don't exactly like being second (laughs) after being first for I don't know how long now. So, you know, at at least every now and then Apple will kind of trade places with them, but it hasn't really been a steady thing. So Samsung has pretty much owned the smartphone market for the last few years. So to see how they react is going to be very, very interesting. I'm waiting to see exactly what they're going to do, if they're going to actually do price decreases maybe i don't know but it is going to be something fun to watch going through you know the next six months to a year to see exactly how they try to plan on overtaking xiaomi so this will be an interesting ride and it's going to be fun to watch now the next uh, article that i found was actually from cnn cnn business actually and if you want to look at any of these articles or anything like that i do have everything on the show prep page You can go right to the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. Check that out. It's right under the embedded player. You can look at that, check out all of the links, everything like that on my show prep page. This is going to be, of course, episode 702. So you can check that out and go find that there, along with the archive, which is linked underneath the current season. 
you can check out any of the, the back episodes and look at all the show prep for all of those as well. So something fun to do if you want to go catch up, you know, on the rest of it, along with all the playlists and everything like that of each season. You can go check all of that out on the website, downsouthitpodcast.com. So Google's been rumored to have wanting to do a Pixel 6 and a Pixel 6 Pro for a long time now. And they've been kind of drip, 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 drip with the leaks. And basically, instead of saying, oh, that's not true, this is not what's going on, Google did what they normally do and just said, yeah, this is it. So basically, every leak that you see on the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro has been correct. So I don't know if Google themselves leaked it or they okayed the leaks or whatever, but apparently they don't know how the leaking game works because they are really, really terrible at it. But that's beyond the, the scope of this. But anyway, the reason why the Pixel 6 and the 6 Pro are going to be a little different as far as smartphones go, at least for the Pixel line, is because they're actually going to be doing their own CPUs. Google designed these CPUs in conjunction with Samsung and TSMC, of course, that's going to manufacture them. So they're, they designed their own chip to go into these. So they're going to have their own SOC, their own system on a chip. And that's what's going to be powering the Pixel 6 and Pixel 6 Pro. That's going to be the big teller. Now, from what I've read, these are actually supposed to be up there with the Qualcomm Snapdragon 888s, which is the, you know, hot, very high-end chips. Performance should be up to that with 5G-capable modems. So these things should be pretty top tier as far as performance goes. But the real reason that Google wanted to do these was because that they can use these at, not only as CPUs, but they can control everything you know, from the manufacturing side to make sure that the security is to their snuff. So they can add extra layers of hardware security on top of everything else that they're doing with their phones, which, you know, in today's age, I really don't see that too much as a problem. The, the one thing that kind of had me scratching my head a little bit with these was that they were going to introduce a lot more AI into the, the cores. And that's kind of going to be weird because all of that AI data has to go and come from somewhere, right? So is my phone going to somewhat on the back end be spying on me just to see what I like and what I do and that kind of thing? And where does that data go? That kind of that kind of sends me a mixed message a little bit. And I'm not I'm completely and utterly comfortable with it, but we shall have to see exactly what they have in store for that. Now, this move isn't unprecedented because, you know, a lot of companies are moving to make their own chips now. Last year, we saw Apple do the same thing with their M1 chipset that they're using in a lot of the iPad Pros, the um, new Macs for uh, this coming year. They're also putting them in the Apple TVs. So they're, they're, these M1 chips from Apple are pretty much going to be their standard go-to, almost like the A12 and A13 Bionic chips were a couple of years ago. So they're going to put them in just about everything that you can think of. So they're actually going to do that. I believe these are going to be in the new iPhone 13s that are going to be announced probably next month. 
So we shall see exactly what that does. And that actually leads right into the third article that I found. And this is some rumors on the iPhone 13. This is from 9to5Mac. And basically what they're going to do is they're going to, a couple of things. The design is going to be really similar to the iPhone 12 and the 12 Pro. So they're going to name them pretty much probably iPhone 13, 13 Pro, all of that kind of thing. They're not really going to stray too far from that. Uh, Apple usually doesn't stray too far from the norm whenever it comes to at least naming conventions and design. I mean, they know what works, so they stick with it. And really, as far as updates from the 12 to the 13, really, the only thing that you're going to notice is there's going to be a 120 hertz screen, still going to be an OLED. The only other difference is going to be basically with the camera system. They're going from a couple of the fixed focus cameras to autofocus cameras. So that'll be a little bit different, you know, as far as the, the timing, as far as, you know, focus goes. But hopefully it'll actually be a little bit better on camera quality, you know, and picture quality. So that's basically kind of what they're going for with that. It's going to be an incremental upgrade, not really a kind of real step up from what was there before. So basically new CPU, new camera, and the, the 120 hertz screen. So, I mean, bringing it up to date is really not all that groundbreaking, but I know a lot of people are going to get it anyway. So, but it is a step in the right direction for Apple. So I'll give them kudos on that. So now let's get into the meat and potatoes, as they say. And this is kind of what I was thinking while I was staring into the abyss of my smartphone the other day is what exactly makes a good smartphone in 2021? I mean, it's been a rough year to say the least, a year and a half, actually 18 months. It's been kind of, kind of funky, no matter how you slice it. So a lot more people are using mobile devices, tablets, you know, laptops, phones, different things like that. We're using them a lot more now than we ever have, but what actually makes one good? And I, actually, I asked that because it's completely and utterly subjective. You know, what makes a phone good to me won't probably won't make it good to you. But it's still fun to talk about because it's just varying degrees of what you like and what you don't. So is it a camera? You know, is it a camera on the phone that that entices you to get a new phone? You know, does it have to be a certain megapixel rating? Does it have to have a certain kind of phone uh, of camera on it? Do you are you a real shutter bug and you look at the apertures and ISO and different things like that? Is that something you know? Because a lot of people use their cell phones for cameras, so it's not unheard of for somebody who is you know who does like photography to use their phone in such a way. What about screen size? Does screen size dictate on whether or not you like a phone better or worse? Do you like a bigger phone or do you like something that you can hold in one hand and easily operate with one hand? Does this, the screen have to have a high refresh rate? Does it not? You know, does do you rather an IPS panel? Do you rather an OLED with the deeper blacks and the, the brighter colors? You know, these things, like I said, these things are completely subjective, but it's kind of along the lines of, you know, what are you willing to, to balance? You know, it's, it's almost like balancing a plate on a, on a wooden dowel. You know, you kind of lean a little bit one way, you lean a little bit another way. 
just to see what you like better or not. Another question would be, how into the stats are you? Do you like looking at, you know, CPU speed, RAM size, you know, how much RAM you get, how much storage you get? You know, I'm, I'm a stats guy. I, I'm, I'm a tech guy. I'm a, you know, I'm a geek and a mobile junkie, tech junkie at heart. So I am very much a statistics guy as far as stats on hardware goes. Now, does that completely and utterly influence my selection in a mobile device? No. But if everything else warranted being the same, does do I rely on those stats to help me decide? Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's kind of, you know, like I said, again, it's this, this is all subjective, but it's just it's an interesting conversation that I like to I like to have. And I kind of want to throw it out there to you just because it's something I thought of. And I was I was dumbfounded. I actually never thought about it before. Uh, the next thing is battery. Does the battery size actually matter to you? You know, because smartphones now, they don't have very big batteries. And everything is sealed now because a lot of smartphones are watertight. So you can't replace it. I remember whenever that started to become a thing, I was not livid, but I was very, very upset that I could not get a phone with a replaceable battery because that was the thing. I was used to it. You know, that was the technology at that point. We went through, if you had a bad battery, you can buy a replacement and you basically almost had a new phone, especially if it wouldn't charge after a year or two. And now you can't do that unless you bring it somewhere or you decide to take it upon yourself to open up the phone and change the battery, which not everybody is comfortable doing. I mean, I've, I've done it before. It's not my favorite thing in the world to do, but I've done it. And it's not something that everybody does. So, you know, would a bigger battery influence your buying decision? And the next couple are kind of kind of together is like, do the material and the color, you know, kind of influence your decision? The most smartphone manufacturers want to make, you know, something flashy and that catches your eye. So a lot of them use different coatings, different paint jobs, you know, different textures, different things like that on the body of the phone, different colors, different materials, different feels for those materials. Does that actually make a difference whenever you go to buy one? Or, you know, does that influence what you would think would be a good one? Now, I don't know, I'm going to kind of get into this with uh, in the next section, but the way that a phone feels in your hand, you know, that influences me a lot more than seeing it on a website or, you know, something like that. Being able to hold it, being able to feel the weight of it and, you know, touch it, play with it, different things like that. That does more to influence me wanting a device than anything else. So that's why I always tell people if they're in the market for a phone or a tablet or something like that, find a store that has one on display. That way you can go touch it, hold it, pick it up, play with it, use the buttons, use the, you know, use the camera, see if it's something you like. It, it's, you can't beat that in your hand experience. Speaking of something else that you can't get unless you actually holding it, the speakers. Does it have dual firing speakers? Does it have quad speakers like some of the iPads do now? 
that's something you don't know about until you actually put the hand the, your your hands on the thing. And again, that's why I always like to actually go touch the thing that I plan on buying or I might not even buy it that day, but at least I can put it in my hands and say, okay, yeah, I do like it, but not enough to buy it yet. Or, you know, I like it on paper, but it feels like garbage. You know, it, that that's the kind of thing you don't get unless you actually get a device in your hands. Now, this next section is kind of kind of weird, but... I want to go through it because what makes a device either premium or budget? Now, when you think premium and budget, you think expensive versus cheap. Now, there are obviously going to be some things that, you know, are pretty much expected whenever you're going from a premium device to a budget device. When you think premium, you think in metal chassis, you're thinking high end CPUs, you're thinking 5G, things like that. When you think budget, you're thinking basically mostly plastic, you know, not going to be as good, you know, maybe older software, older hardware, you know, but on the, the off, off chance that you go into one of these odd manufacturers like TCL or Xiaomi or uh, OnePlus, who have been getting bigger and bigger, by the way, so a lot of people are going toward these and kind of steering not clear of Samsung and things like that, but with LG getting out of the game, you know, somebody has to pick up the slack, right? So TCL, Xiaomi, OnePlus, a lot of these smaller manufacturers are starting to pick up that slack that LG had and it's starting to show. And I mean, I've seen people with OnePlus phones and things like that and they like them. They really do. And the thing that I get a lot from them is, I didn't pay much for this phone, but it feels good. You know, it works. So that's kind of where, where I was thinking with this premium versus budget thing. I know it's going to be a balance between features and performance because the budget phones are not going to have all the same features and the same performance as your premium phones, your galaxies, you know, your high end iPhones, different things like that. So you're, you're doing a balance and act again. But aside from the hardware, how does the, how does the device feel? You know, there are some, some plastic phones, like some of the OnePlus ones, that feel really premium because there's a good weight to it. it had, now, whether or not it's just because they put a big battery in it or not, it doesn't, you know, that part is kind of irrelevant. Does it feel good in your hand? The curve of the back of the phone, is it comfortable to hold? You know, that kind of that's where the line starts to straddle, you know, whether or not, hey, this phone might not cost much, but it feels like a premium phone. You know, that's kind of what I'm getting at with this. The materials do make a difference. OK, I'll give you that. So a lot of plastic phones won't have that. But a lot of these phones have metal chassis under the plastic covers and that extra weight makes them feel more premium. When you pick up something and it's heavy for its size, it's kind of human nature to, to say, okay, yeah, this must be good. It's heavy. The design of the phone actually also might influence you to thinking that it's more premium than it actually is. Like back in the day, I had my LG G3. That phone, it was light, but it felt really good in the hand because the back was curved. 
the curves along the side were just right, at least for my hand, and it felt good to use. Everything was responsive. I really didn't have a problem with it, but it was it 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 was all plastic. I mean, it was a plastic front. I mean, except for the, the glass screen, had a plastic bezel, plastic back, the whole nine. So it it the the material was on the cheap side. I'll give it that, but it felt good, and it felt like it probably cost a lot more than it actually did. So that's something else too. Not like whenever they changed the iPhone design and went from the the really rounded squared off corners to the you know to the kind of that curve and it wasn't quite so, such a dramatic cutoff on the corners. The 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 cutoff corners I didn't like at all. But the newer ones are actually not bad. I really I, I don't mind those at all. They're they're a lot more comfortable to use than they used to be. So, you know, on that design, Apple does get A plus on design because I mean they wouldn't be Apple if they didn't. <laughs> like I said, they don't do anything that doesn't work. So, you know, this is kind of one of those things that they're good at. They're going to keep doing it. So if it works, why change it? You know? So next thing is going to be features. Now I said earlier that this was kind of a balancing act with a more premium phone. You get basically all the bells and whistles that are new and, you know, the latest and greatest. You'll have wireless charging, you know, wireless recharging if you have other devices, 5G, all of that kind of stuff. Now, when you get more into the, the budget side, you might not have all of those things, but you still may have wireless charging. It might not be to the same wattage as the newer phones, but you still might have it. So you still get some of the features that you're used to. In fact, uh, there's a couple of OnePlus phones that have that, plus still have a headphone jack. So you can actually use wired headphones. God forbid, in 2021, you can use wired headphones. But they do have them. In fact, my, pic my Pixel 4a right now has a uh, headphone jack. So am I grateful for that? Yeah. Do I use it a lot? Not really. But I like the option whenever I want to use it that it's there, not just having to use a Bluetooth or a wireless device to be able to do anything like that. You know, so some of the old school features are still present in the more budget devices, but you still get some of the you still get mixed in with the, the newer stuff. You know, depends on where you look and what manufacturer, but they do do a good bit of mixing, you know, the old and the new whenever you start getting toward the budget end of the line. Now, the last thing that I want to get on this with premium versus budget is basically that when you're talking premium, you're talking about the name. So when you think Samsung, when you think Apple, you know, you think for the first thing that usually pops in your head is going to be the Galaxy devices or the newest iPhone, which is going to be a premium device. You know, that name has a weight. It has, you know, it has girth. It has something to it. When you think OnePlus, when you think LG, when you think, you know, Xiaomi or, you know, uh, Blue or some of these other smaller manufacturers, you know, Kyocera, you know, even, they, even though they were really big back in the day, they're not so much anymore. But when you think of those, that's the, you don't think of 
premium when you think of those because those names don't have quite the weight that you know Samsung and Apple do. So when you're thinking premium versus budget, just because something doesn't have the name brand behind it doesn't mean it's going to be a bad device. You know, I not that I've stuck against a Samsung device or an Apple device. I have I've tried and used both. I have an iPad. I have, you know, different things like that. But to me, it's it's more what the function is more than the name. Now, at least that is to me. Now, some people, they, you know, you have to have the latest and greatest iPhone. It's a, it's a status symbol. It really is in a, in, a, in a way. So if you if that's what you take away from that, that's fine. You know, if you can afford it, go for it. That's the great thing about this country. If you can afford it, go for it, man. I'm not going to I'm not going to belittle you because you can you want to buy an iPhone 13 or iPhone 24 or whatever it is that's coming out next. I'm not going to say that, you know, more power to you. You got the latest and greatest. Yeah, that's fine. You know what? My phone still makes phone calls just like yours does. You might have the latest and greatest. That's OK with by me. You know, I'm, I don't have to have the cutting edge is basically what I'm saying for that. You know, that the actual name of the company on the phone doesn't have the weight to me. You know, to some people it does, you know, but to me particularly, I'd say no, it doesn't. Because I'm more worried about function and, you know, overtime use and different things like that. I have a lot more that I have a lot broader spectrum of things that I look at when I'm going into looking for a device. You know, the name brand, I mean, it kind of influences a little bit, but not as much as, you know, some of the other functions and other things. So it's not a bad thing. Okay. This is kind of what I'm getting at with this. It's not a bad thing if you like a phone, you like the way it looks, you like the way it feels, and it's not a Samsung. It happens to be a OnePlus or a Blue or, you know, something like that. It's not, <laughs> you, nobody's going to bite your head off. You know what? It's your phone. It's your tablet. You're the one that's going to be using it. So why not pick the one that you like the best and the one that works for your situation the best? That's what you that's what you ought to be looking at, not necessarily the name brand. So just to round out the smartphone stuff for this episode, I went ahead and pulled a best phones list from The Verge. Now, they're always going to be the you know, they're they're pretty much the cutting edge type stuff. You know, they're on The Verge, which is why they named that. So they're they actually have a top 10 list, which is the the uh link that I have in the show prep and I only picked like the first six I believe uh, but you kind of get the idea of the best phones and they're all going to be the ultra premium phones you know from from the the two basically the two manufacturers that we all know and they come up with the iPhone 12 Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra the Samsung Galaxy S21 or 21 plus then the iPhone 12 Pro Max iPhone 12 mini and the Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. So that those are going to be their version, their top six, basically, of the phones that you can get right now. And that is until, you know, either the Pixel drops or the next iPhone drops next month. Then I'm sure they're going to update this and it'll be that iPhone right? <laughs> and the different variants. So 
Unto that, I did my version of the budget line because I found a few lists out there and they were all pretty much crap. So I decided to make my own. That way I don't have to basically comment or you know reference anybody else. So you can take this how you like it, but this is my list. This is uh, budget phones, 400 or less. Pixel 4a, which is 350 bucks, not only because I own one and have been using it for about two years now, but because it's a $350 phone and it works. And I love the, the constant monthly updates that I get from Google. You never have to worry about software updates. Everything is so streamlined on it. I don't even really have to think about it. And it is a great phone. I mean, it's not top tier. It's not top spec, but it works. And I love it. Next phone is going to be the iPhone SE 2020, which I've said in previous podcasts that I really, they need a better name for that. But it's the cheaper variant of the SE uh, phone that came out in 2020. It's 400 bucks. You're really not going to get an iPhone for very much cheaper than that. And it still has a lot of the iPhone features that you know and love. So if you want to get a cheaper one, although it is a smaller phone, it's still pretty power packed with, you know, I think it's the A12 Bionic chip, I believe that's in it. So it's still a workhorse and it'll still do a lot for the price. So if you're looking for a budget iPhone, that would probably be my pick. Next up, Motorola G Power. These are going to be, the, the Moto G line has changed a lot in the last couple of years. I think Motorola is trying to get back into the premium uh, side of things. They're pushing the G Power and G Play as kind of their lower tier. And now they have the G Stylus and G something or other else. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but those are kind of their upper tier ones. The G Power is basically kind of their mid-tier uh, cell phone right now. 160 bucks has, uh, I think, a 5,500 milliamp battery on it. So it'll last basically two days without a charge. And, you know, everything that I've seen on it has been good. I really haven't seen anything, anybody trashing it. So, I mean, four, I've used, I got Motorola's also. I've, have, I've used them before. They're very vanilla. They don't have a whole lot of, you know, crazy stuff happening with them. The only thing I wish that they did was update them a lot more. <laughs> you know, I think they only do security updates every quarter rather than every month like what Google does. So, you know, something if Motorola could get together with that, I might even go back to them. We shall see. Kind of depends on them, though. Next up is the TCL 10 5G. This is a $300 5G phone. Now, they do have a... I believe it's a $250 Samsung one that came out not long ago, but I haven't seen a whole lot on it, so I didn't want to put it on my list. But this is a $300 5G phone. Actually, one of my coworkers just bought one of these and loves it. And the only thing he's having problems with is he's right on the boundary of a 4G, 5G area, so it switches a lot. But other than that, he likes the, the, the UI that TCL uses. It's a skin version of Android, similar to what uh, Samsung does with their their uh, their phones. They have the One UI. TCL kind of has something along that same line. I believe it's called Cloud UI, I believe, or something like that. And he likes it. It's kind of almost like a mix of vanilla Android and a custom ROM. So if you're used to custom ROMs, you might you might dig you know what TCL is doing. 
So that's something to kind of look out for. But a 5G phone for 300 bucks, you really can't you can't fault them for that. The only thing that I would kind of be worried about would be support long term. I mean, TCL said that they're going to support these phones for a while. But being that they're just getting started in the smartphone space, that's something that you might want to kind of take into consideration. So just something off the top of my head. And last but not least, the Samsung A51. This is a tried and true version of the, the Samsung smartphone. 300 bucks. I mean, the A-Series has been their budget line for a long time. The A51 is a really nice, solid phone. Never seen anything on you know bad about it that I've read. Most everything I've seen has been, you know, four to five stars as far as people using it. It's a really simple kind of just solid phone, good battery life, good ca decent camera. I mean, for the price, you really can't go wrong if you want something Samsung. So if you're going with that, I'd say A51 would not be a bad choice at all. They do have the A52, the updated version, which I believe is 5G, and I think that one is $400. It's either $400 or $450, so it's right around, it's kind of in that price range. So it's a little bit out of the budget category, quote-unquote. But for a, uh, for a Samsung's 5G phone, that still would not be too bad of an idea if, you're, if you can afford it. So 51 is going to be the older version, so you won't have all the newest bells and whistles, but again, it's a good solid phone. So if you're looking for something like that, that might be up your alley. Whoo, that was a lot to take in, wasn't it? Whoo, thank you for sticking with me through this. I know a little bit of it was kind of meandering, but I did hope that you get something out of it and that you kind of start thinking, you know, premium budget, you know, does, does the designation really matter that much? You know, I'm, I'm kind of like, again, I'm of the, the opinion of whatever works best for you is what you should use. So if you're choosing a new phone, a new tablet, a new laptop, pick what works best for you. You know, don't worry about the, the name brand. Don't worry about the specs so, so much, but just pick what will work for you in your situation. Because if you do that, you're going to be a lot more happy with that device and you're going to use it a lot more and be happier with it. Now, like I like to end every podcast, a paraphrase from Albert Hubbard, technology can replace the work of many people, but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all for joining me today. I love you. I'll see you right back here on the next episode of the Down South IT Podcast. Later. Later.